Hi friends, it's Kay the Moran and welcome back to the Let's Get Candid podcast. Happy Thursday, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time or day you're listening. I'm so excited to be back with you guys. My voice is a little raspy. Um, I sound very exhausted, I'm sure, and that's because I am officially done with my 3L fall. I have one semester left, five months left, and I will be a law school graduate. I will have my Juris Doctorate. And today was my last day of finals, and it was a 24-hour take-home, and I'm running on very little sleep. Thankfully, I got a nap in. I am exhausted after that exam. I got some sleep last night, but just a crazy morning with my electronic blue book exam software giving out on me twice, having to restore it, making sure that the right submission got sent to my professor or will get sent to my professor by the records office at my school, checking in with my favorite librarian and one of the women who work in the clinic and saying like happy holidays and like checking in with them before I fly home tomorrow. So as you guys are listening to this, I will be on a flight to Miami for a month. I'm going home. It's winter break and I cannot wait to be home. I have some really exciting stuff in the works like I've said before and I'm just really excited to be home and see my friends and my family and get to take a few weeks off from school because next semester is gonna go by really really fast it's gonna we start late in January already and we're just gonna hit the ground running a month and a half spring break another month and a half graduation which is the most anticlimactic graduation ever because my parents will be going back home without me. I'll be staying here in Knoxville and studying for the bar up here, even though I'm taking the Florida bar just so I don't get distracted. And then I'll be permanently moving back to Miami in July, taking the Florida bar exam. And then that's it. We're done. So it's just really, really wild that, you know, today I'm exhausted and just really happy and proud of myself because I've come such a long way in the last two, three years, and just looking back at today was my college graduation three years ago, and this day, two years ago, I was finishing my 1L fall, and it was one of the hardest semesters and few months of my life, and I just really didn't know who I was or what was going to happen next or if I deserved to be in law school and if I even wanted to be there, and that was the path that was meant for me but here we are two years later and what a wild ride it's been so yeah that's my I don't really have a suck and sweet of the week for you guys this week I just really wanted to say that and I'm just really excited for what's to come and 2022 is looking up it's looking really bright I cannot wait to see what's next that's my intro And I have a really exciting episode for you guys today. Um, Gabby Valdez is a dating coach. And when I discovered her on Instagram, I think through someone else's podcast, I was absolutely obsessed. Just she shares so much good information about dating and trauma and in relationships and childhood. And there's just so much good info. So I highly recommend you give her a follow and definitely listen to this whole episode and stay tuned because there will definitely be a part two in the future 
and there's just so much good stuff in here and I don't want to spoil it too much so I'm just gonna shut up and let you hear everything that we talk about this conversation was like therapy for me I learned so much I got so much out of it and I really hope you guys get to get something out of it as well because there's some really really good stuff in here so without further ado meet Gabby hi Gabby how are you Good. Thanks for having me, Kayla. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to chat with you. So you are a dating coach and a behavioral analyst. So what does that mean? And how did you get into that? (laughs) So actually, I was a behavioral therapist and studying to be a behavioral analyst turned dating coach. So like I do have that background. I do have that clinical training. Um, However, I pivoted more towards using that wealth of knowledge specifically to relationships and dating. Um, And then I also have a background in communications because communication is so important in terms of relationships. Um, So the question was like, how did I, how did I get into this? Or like, what are those things? What are (laughs) they and how did you get into that? And I, yeah, I'm glad you said the thing about communication. We'll get to that in a second, but yeah. How did you kind of know this is something you wanted to do? So the unpolished story is really, I did not wake up one day or like graduate from college being like, oh, I'm going to be like a dating coach or really focus on relationships. I think it was a passion and a like side project for, for years before even deciding to do it. Um, I tried a lot of different things. Um, and I also kind of grew up hearing like, oh, you can't commit to anything. And so like, I, what I realized that was actually a positive thing. I realized I have like so many experiences. So like I've been a, a teacher, I've been a behavioral therapist. I've worked with like nonprofits and startups doing like communication. So In that process, in that journey, I realized what I really do love doing is working one-on-one with people and because that allows for us to really go deep. Um, And then I had like a light bulb moment where I was like, oh, I really like life coaching. And then it took me three years to finally jump on that. I think a lot of it was like, oh, I, I can't do that. Who do I think I am? And then after like three years of being like, you know what, I'm scared to this. I'm going to try it. I did it. Love the program that I went through. It was really transformational. Learned a lot about like negative self-talk and mindset and beliefs and patterns. And then did that for a couple years. And then personally, I have gone through long-term relationships where even if I was dating a different person, I was running into the same issues. Like, why is my anxious anxious attachment style being activated? I've learned all the self-coping things. I know how to communicate, but why am I still attracting people that are avoidant or non-committal? And then I'm laughing because you know that we're going to go all into this later because same. (laughs) Exactly. And a lot of people can relate to this. So if you're listening to this, know that you're not alone. There's nothing wrong with you. I spent like decades dating this way. And so after a short but intense relationship, I swear, I thought he was the one. He was all in to what I thought was all in at the time. Told me that he never felt this way, was really communicative, like planned dates in advance. Like, oh my gosh, he's so available. We even planned to go to a wedding together. And there was this one night where I felt like he was actually opening up. And then he was like, I've never felt this way before. 24 hours later, he dumped me and he pretended to not, he pretended 
to other people that we like never dated. So that was like the ultimate, like, my heart is crushed. This is devastating. Like, how can you pretend that we never dated or we were never a thing? Um, So from there, I realized something has got to change. Uh, I'm taking responsibility for the things that I can control. I obviously can't convince him to stay with me. And I was actually something that I was really proud of because in past relationships, I was like, please stay with me, I'll change. And so I, I know I respected his decision and then let him go. Of course, the wounding was still there. Like there's a lot of devastation, like, oh, I don't feel worthy of love. Why did he change his mind about me suddenly? And then I started to realize, okay, well, what are the things that I can get curious about? And it was like, well, who am I attracted to? Why am I attracted to this person? In some ways, why are they familiar? But then also like familiar in a way that's like, ooh, I can't live without you. You're really sexy. The connection we have is so deep in terms of familiarity. But then also, why am I familiar with people that say that they're interested or even say that they're not interested, but then continue dating me or just completely end things? So that's when I started to notice that relationship pattern. And I realized it had a lot to do with like mindset of like, oh, I need to also believe that I'm worthy of love, which is also really challenging because if I've had experiences that validate that I'm not worthy of love, where the heck do I even be getting? So from there, I, you know, applied what I learned with life coaching. I also got training and intimacy from my dating coach and psychotherapist, Ken Page, and that was just completely life-changing, like changed my whole perspective on love, redefined my definition of love, which is really helpful because oftentimes singles have a skewed, and we'll get into this, a skewed definition of what love is based on childhood and so we aim like when we have one definition of love and if we haven't had examples of healthy love growing up either intentionally or unintentionally we tend to aim for that because like that's the only thing that we know so redefine what love meant to me started also practicing skills around like receiving reciprocal love instead of deflecting and you know thinking that um, it was weak to like want someone to help me or do things for me or like I didn't want handouts. So like really shifting that mindset of like, oh, I am worthy of someone like driving to come see me. Um, So long story short, my passion became something very personal that I went through. And then I realized this is something that I want to focus on, learn these skills within six months, found the love of my life. And I was like, holy cow, this is life-changing. I spent decades chasing after people that were not good for me. And so spend most of my days helping people realize how amazing they are, um, how freeing it is to actually be yourself and to not change who you are, and then find a partner from that place. So a place of worthiness so that they can set boundaries, they can say no, they can be discerning, and they can actually trust their gut. So that's how I got here. I love that. And it's such a theme in like the last few episodes and in almost every episode I've ever recorded so far. And like why I started my podcast is that, you know, yes, you train for this or like people train for things, but like a lot of nine times out of 10, your career isn't something you train for. It's because it's, you're passionate about it. And when you're passionate about it and you really love it, you're willing to put in the work which is why they say like, if you love what you do, you won't work a day in your life. Like I disagree. You're going to work 10 times harder, but you're willing to do that work because you love it. And like, it's a perfect example for you. Like it became personal and that's why you were so passionate about it. And like, you know, it's paid off for you in the long run in your personal life, also in your career. Like, you know, now you get to help people do this. 
So you said a little bit about childhood and like your mindset and like limiting beliefs and that kind of thing. So, you know, why do we like, why is our childhood have such a big impact on us and like our relationship with our families and our parents and how does that, like those experiences shape us as, you know, young adults and adults in our relationships with friends, with romantic partners as in life, just in general, like how does our family impact us really? Yeah, such a good question. So I also want to say that every single one of us has childhood wounds and that could either be something that our parents intentionally did or unintentionally did. So this is not all blaming our family. It's more of like, oh, there are certain ways of thinking and believing or doing that gets passed on from generation to generation. Also, every generation does get better because everyone is doing the best that they can with the tools that they have. That also doesn't mean that things being done to you aren't hurtful. So like there's a difference between blaming and then acknowledging and not condoning certain behaviors. So I just want to say that because if someone's like, oh, like it comes so easily for other people to be in a relationship or like, you know, healthy love is just something that's not for me. Just know that a lot of people have their own flavor of like childhood trauma. Um, And the most important thing is like getting clear on what your dynamic is. So that's the most important thing. Instead of maybe looking outward and being like, oh, everyone else has it easier. It's really a vulnerable thing to be like, well, what are my family dynamics? How can like, cause that's when the work starts. So this is such a great question because I actually just came from a family wedding the last week and I hadn't seen or I haven't been with my family since like, you know, the beginning of the pandemic. So it's been like two years. Um, I also want to preface this by saying I love my family. They're amazing. And then also there are certain dynamics at play that sometimes people aren't aware of. Like I'm so, because I've been doing this work, I've been really aware of certain dynamics and I'll get into some examples of that but like being in the family if I did not have this self-awareness I would have made it my fault or it's all about you know it's my fault I shouldn't be feeling this way I'm too sensitive like everyone else around me is like making this seem like no big deal so the question that I have to the audience is what are your family dynamics um do you try to be perfect and avoid being reprimanded by siblings or parents Do you take care of others and anticipate everyone else's needs in front of your own? Do you make yourself smaller because maybe your parent or your siblings take up a lot of space? So maybe it's like taking up space in the conversation or space in the relationship, or it's all about me. You need to be on my schedule. I'm feeling a certain way. Like you're holding a lot of space for that parent or a sibling. Do you maybe even spiral out of control because you overthink things to the point where you're overanalyzing because you're trying to protect yourself? Because if you did something wrong, you would get in trouble, right? So it's like, I'm trying to figure out all the right things to say, right? All the right things to do. And the last two is, do you hide your emotions because your family thinks that you take things personally? That actually happened to me. That's why I wrote this down. I was like, I have to write this down because I was processing things with my partner my fiance and also my brother and my brother such a different dynamic my my fiance is like oh I understand why you feel that way it makes sense like completely listening ear no judgment and I'm again not at all blaming my brother he's operating from a certain you know from his own beliefs too so I empathize with him but he was very much like you take things so personally like why is that a big deal if I didn't have that awareness, I would have internalized that as like, oh my God, this is my fault. Like, 
I do take things personally. I need to like hide my emotions. And the last part, which is what I was speaking about earlier is like that self-doubt. Like, do you doubt yourself because your family thinks that you're too sensitive or you think about things so deeply? So that's just kind of like, you don't know the water that you're swimming in until you like jump out of the water because we're so immersed in it. Like I would have not realized that this, these conversations and these dynamics were hurtful had I not experienced something else. And that's really challenging because I know a lot of singles, they're like, I don't, it's impossible to find healthy friendships or it's impossible to find a deep and meaningful friendship. Everyone just wants to have small talk. I really want to talk about things deeply or it's impossible to find a love of my life. And I just want to say that I hear you because if you're immersed in these dynamics on a daily basis, it feels impossible to find anything different. Yeah. Like there's so many good things. Like I can go so many different directions, but it's just, I've, I've had to do a lot of, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of this work myself in the last few months, the last year and a half, really. And, you know, it's so true because I am a very sensitive and emotional person and the people in my family are not, um, not that they aren't sensitive. They just don't show it the same way that I do. And I'm, you know, unafraid to be open about my sensitivity and they're not. So it's just, it's, a, it's like, sometimes it's like too much for them to handle. And like, you know, you get told that you're too much, you're too sensitive, you're too passionate, you're too this. And I've really had to like dig deep and look inward and be like, no, like I, I am all those things, but that's not a bad thing. And I'm okay. And I'm proud of that. And it took a very long time and it, it still takes a really, it's hard for me. It's really, really hard for me because my relationships not just uh, romantic, but friendships. I've always struggled with making friends. And I have more friends now through social media than I ever have had like physical in-person friendships. And I mean, a lot of that is COVID and a lot of that is also being at school, three states away from my house, you know, my parents' house where I grew up and wanting to return there and I'm making friends there. So when I return, I have like friends. But it's really just because social media has allowed me to connect with people who have the same interests as me, whereas not necessarily being in school, I'm surrounded by the people that, you know, have same interests as me, even though we're studying the same things. Um, You know, we all come from different walks of life and different experiences. So I think it's so important that you say that to like really for people to dig into deep into themselves and like evaluate like their beliefs about their family and their experiences growing up and like why they feel the way that they feel and that it's okay to feel those things. So I love that. And it's so funny because my brother would never say like, why do you take things so personally? At least I don't think he would, but he was, he's younger and he just has his own experiences. And like, I empathize with him because he has had his own experiences, you know, growing up, but he just doesn't get it. And like, that's okay. I, and, and I, you know, I wouldn't wish a lot of my experiences on a lot of people in my life. And, you know, so I, I, I'm glad he's never experienced it, but it's also hard when they don't get it. And that's a lot of times my struggle with people is that like, I can't make someone understand something if they don't have their own experiences to understand it, or even if they don't have the experiences to the willingness to listen and learn. And a lot of people don't just because they can't empathize. So I'm glad you brought that up too, because that's important. And just like, even though like you're both born to the same set of parents, like and grew up in the same house, you could have completely different experiences. And that could affect a lot of times 
why your relationship growing up or and and afterwards and your once you start building your own lives separate from each other and your own families like why those dynamics are so different so I'm glad you brought that up yeah. but um well can I say a couple yeah, things go. about that because I was so good Kayla um yeah it really even though we were we are in the same family, we operate from different beliefs and conditioning. Like, and, and I also will say like my brother, my sibling is like a product of his environment and his like generation. Like he very much has the belief around like, you know, men need to not have emotions or emotions are weak. And I also have internalized that as well. Um, and of course it's different because I am a woman, I identify as a woman. And so it's very much like, okay, men can't feel their feelings and that's normalized. And then also I should not be able to feel my feelings, but also there's slight permission because in our society, women are also given permission to vent to other women. So it's just like these interesting dynamics of like how we, how we grew up believing certain things and how they all still show up in our relationships. And it's really important too, to, to, to the point that you said of like connecting with people that do get it, because even though in my family, I may not be fully seen and that's okay. It hurts, but also I'm like empathizing. We have different views on the world that still does not hold me back from going after the type of relationships that I do want. So even then hearing that from my brother, you're being too sensitive. I'm like, I can now I'm at a point in my healing and personal development journey where I don't take that personal. I'm just like, okay, that's your own beliefs. I understand where you're coming from. And also I'm operating from a completely different mindset because I also have people in my life that really love my sensitivity. And I think that's also why I do the work that I do. I could not be talking about relationships and childhood wounds and traumas without being sensitive, without being empathetic to a lot of what other singles looking for love or my clients are going through. If I didn't have that sensitivity, I feel like my co- the coaching would just not be transformative at all. So I love what you said about being proud of these qualities and also knowing that you're not going to be for everyone. And that is okay because you don't want to shape shift yourself, which I did for years of like, I'm going to hide my sensitivity or I need to get over my sensitivity in order to be in a relationship. And I love this with my clients. Cause like week one, they're like, Oh my gosh, I did not realize that sensitivity was actually a good thing. I thought I had to fix that before I started dating. And so now they've realized like, Oh, this is, a, this is great. Sensitivity allows me to tap into other people's emotions. I can sense when things are not as they seem. I can kind of read through the lines or certain behaviors and it allows them to like empathize with other people. Again, it's not making other people's abilities right or wrong. It's like, oh, okay. I have a certain set of skills and gifts and that's okay. And I'm going to protect myself, create boundaries when I can. And then also create relationships, friendships, date people, relationships that they understand and they appreciate and they love my sensitivity. Yeah. It's, I was thinking like you, we grew up seeing like all those like cheesy quotes and like memes and stuff. Now it's like, you know, I'm not everyone's cup of tea or like, I always used to say the one of like, I'm not everyone's cup of tea, but it's fine. I drink whiskey. Cause I do. <laughs> I mean, I drink both, but I don't know, like stuff like that growing up, I would always like tell myself that. And like, 
it was my way of like rubbing, like the, you know, like putting a bandaid on the wound. And like, I'm glad I did because from a very young age, I knew that I was those things. And like, I was always proud of it, but I knew I had to hide it because other people didn't get it. And like, now I'm grateful that I've been able to see the true value of it. And I still jokingly say those things because, you know, sometimes, you know, I have to put the emotions away and like, you know, we have to, but I wouldn't be able to show up the way that I do on this podcast, online, even in my personal life, even in my academic life, you know, if I wasn't truly aware of my, and my sensitivity and my emotions, and I wasn't like putting my energy into being 100% myself. So yeah, it's, it takes a lot of work to get there, but I think it's, you know, and it, it, it's, it's still something I struggle with. Like, you know, I'm proud of it, but it's still something I struggle with, you know, on a regular basis to do be fully proud of my emotions, but I've never shied away from them. And, in, in the sense of like crying in public, if I have to, like, you know, because I have to, and it just, it, it's a release. It, it, it feels good. And, you know, it, it's hard. It's really hard to do, but I'm, you know, yeah, I mean, so <laughs> I don't know. I, I lost my train of thought, but, um, so yeah, once you are doing that self-awareness and work and you're putting out there, the version of you that is, you know, most aligned and self-actualized and you're, you're at the best for like best place of, for yourself at that current point, point in time, like, how do you start now finding, where do you look for those friendships and relationships? How do you find those start attracting that, that good energy, those people in your life, whether personal or, you know, or romantic, like, how do you start meeting the right people? You know, you said like, once you started doing the work and then really fast in six months, you met, you know, your fiance now, like, where do, and like, where does that, how does that happen? Where do we go from there? Like you've done the work, you're actively doing this work. Your clients are doing this work. Where do you tell them to do next? Yeah, I love to demystify this process because we hear this a lot and I don't disagree with it. However, it I like tangible examples. So when we hear like, oh, attract your ideal partner or manifest your ideal partner, I just want to know the how-tos. So like, Same. great question. Um, well, it really does start with you. So like in the program that I run called Finally Found You, it's a four-month program. The first month, we don't even date. You really focus on getting to know who you are. And this isn't like surface level. This isn't like, you know, I like, you know, doing certain hobbies or like, I'm not going to date anyone who's like shorter than me. It's not like that. It's like, who are you? And like, what is important to you? Like your sensitivity, is that something that you felt ashamed of? Why did you feel ashamed of it growing up? Where do you feel safe being sensitive is there anyone that, you know, a friend or a family member or a coach or a mentor where you actually feel safe to like be vulnerable and sensitive? And if you don't, that's okay too. It's just something to notice. If it is great, then you have that example of like, it, this is what it feels like in my body. This is how my mind feels when I'm with someone who actually understands me. So then from there, you're able to have a clear idea of what you're looking for. So it's a lot of like understanding who you are and asking the questions, like the hard questions of like, what do I feel ashamed of? Maybe it's, maybe you feel ashamed of wanting a committed relationship because maybe you have this belief that even though you want a committed relationship, showing interest in someone else will make you look weak 
or if you actually tell someone on the first day that you want a committed relationship, they might think you're desperate. So like there are certain beliefs that we have that hold us back from finding love. And so that's why the first month or so is really getting clear on like, well, what are mindsets are you operating from? Then introducing a new paradigm, because it's not like we're going to eliminate something and that's it. It's like, we need to, the behavioral therapist to me is like coming in. We need to replace it, replace it with a true and positive belief. It's not toxic positivity where it's just like, repeat this over and over until it feels true. It's like, where are you on your journey and what feels true to you? And then we can recalibrate because we never want to gaslight ourselves to believing something that doesn't feel true. So when you understand who you are, then you can also understand what's important to you. Well, what do you feel uncomfortable with? Is it like, I don't feel comfortable having sex until I actually know the person, or I feel comfortable um, only going to dates out in restaurants instead of having them come back to my apartment or their apartment. It's like, once you know who you are, then you can also get really clear on what's important to you and what that actually looks like in terms of dating. Also in relationships, so, or friendships. So say it's really important to you that like up honesty and upfront communication is really important to you. Maybe you had a past belief where being upfront meant you were bossy or rude or selfish. Rewiring and reframing that belief to, oh, it's actually kind to be upfront and honest. Then you go out into the world and you start practicing it, which is really scary because if you're used to not expressing what you need or what you're comfortable with, then it's going to feel really scary to suddenly tell a friend like, hey, I actually can't go out tonight. I want to stay in. I'm feeling introverted because that can be really hard if you're used to saying yes all the time and your friends are like, yeah, you're the yes person. Let's go out and have fun. I need this. Then when you start saying no to them, you're going, you may or may not hit certain friction. So part of knowing yourself, it gets a lot easier to express what you want and need, say no or say yes, because despite how the other person receives it or doesn't receive it, you'll be able to not necessarily internalize maybe their responses or or reactions because you know that you are being true to yourself. It doesn't mean that it's not going to hurt. Then also, this is more information for you to be discerning with who you surround yourself with, whether it's friends, family, or even a relationship. And going back to the example around conflict, like for me to be in conflict, because conflict is going to happen. The most important thing is the person that I'm in conflict with, whether it's a friend or, you know, a partner is, is this person committed to repairing the rupture or the conflict in the relationship? If they walk away or if they don't communicate that they need some time alone or if they see my need as an attack or criticize me or they shut down uh, and call me sensitive, then that's more information for me to realize I don't feel fully safe in this. I need to either leave and this relationship or express a boundary. So that's really the most helpful thing is so I could introduce like, you know, certain tactics around like, you know, how do you know who's like a good friend and like list certain qualities. But I think the most important thing is knowing who you are, knowing what's important to you and knowing what you need to feel safe. Um, this also might be confused with, cause I hear this a lot with dating of like, I date someone who's the safe option. That's not that. Um, I also have a, a freebie on my website, which I can share with you, Kayla, which actually yeah. shares certain questions around 
how to gauge whether or not you feel emotionally safe with someone. So I won't go fully into that, but you can check it out yeah, on the website. I'll put it in the show notes for people. Yeah. Cause there is a difference between like, I feel safe and I feel seen and understood. And I can tell someone that I'm ashamed of something or I'm embarrassed or I'm insecure and they're going to receive it well. They're not going to take it as an attack. Um, and then be able to like adjust the, the relationship or friendship from there. So it really is about like being aware and then also being open-minded to trying certain things so that you can put yourself out there. Cause we never, we will never know what we're capable of unless we put ourselves out there. It's going to feel really uncomfortable, but it's also like a way for you to understand yourself. So I love the people in my audience because they don't see or they date to find their person, but they also date to learn and grow. So like they can actually treat relationships and dating as like an, an experiment. Like if I say this, what happens? I'm curious about this. Let me try this. Oh, that didn't feel good. I got rejected, but like, what did I learn about myself? So it's like a constantly evolving process. Doesn't mean that you're not going to be hurt along the way. However, there is that momentum of like, okay, I am worthy. I can do this. I'm learning new things about myself. This person's not the best fit for me. That's fine. Doesn't mean that I'm better than them, you know, et cetera. It's like really seeing things clearly because you know yourself really well. Yeah. I love that. There's so, again, so many ways I can go with this because like we could talk forever, but just one thing you said towards the beginning of that was like, you know, it's like, you don't give them like qualities or like, you don't ask them like, what is like, what is your manifestation list? Like, cause we all, we have them and it's okay to have them. Cause you want to get a clear picture of what you're looking for when you're out there actively meeting people, but it's so, so important to know who you are first and be willing to learn about yourself because, you know, the beauty about dating a bunch of different people is you're not just learning like what you do want. You're learning what you don't want, but you're also learning about yourself and you're growing. So I love that you brought that up at the end, but just like, it's important to not just ask like, what characteristics do you want? But because, and like, that's the hard part about dating and like dating apps, like I'm on them. And like, I don't know if you were ever on them at all, but I'm sure I was, okay. I don't, I don't know. Um, or yeah, I'm sure you see your clients on them and like, it's really hard because it's like only like, depending on the app, you only see like small snippets of like the other people. And it's like, it's not a full picture. And like people put these fronts on and these games and it's just like, don't play games. Like, you know, I want to like very early on, if I feel that I can't get deep, like I just, I'm not a surface level person to begin with, but like, if I feel that I can't like be deep with this person and it doesn't have to be like, like deepest, darkest childhood secrets, but like, you know, like, just like we can talk intellectually. Like I'm the type of person that like the most attractive thing to me is intellectual stimulation. Like obviously looks are important, but like, I need to be emotionally stimulated. And so if I very early on don't see that happening, it's just like, that's it. Like, it's not going to happen. Or if like from not even liking you on a profile, but like, if I can tell from your profile that you're just probably aren't going to be that person, or you're only looking for like a hookup or whatever, like, I'm just not going to, I'm going to pass. So I like that you brought that up, like how important to know you and like who you are and what you want out of this experience and be willing to do the work on yourself because it makes the active dating process easier because it's not just like everyone says like you have to date a million different guys like kiss a lot of frogs to find the right guy and that's true but it's also like you have to be learning each time you do it not just and like 
not just going through the motions and it's really hard and it's really exhausting to go through the motions of meeting a bunch of different people but like and growing from them but that's the best way to do it I I love what you're saying and also I hear I hear this a lot too of like you have to kiss uh different or you have to kiss a lot of frogs to find your prince And I want to offer a different mindset around this because there is a way to. I don't agree with that. I I don't agree with that in the sense of like going through the motions of it, but like I'm, I agree with it, that sentiment in the sense of like it's very rare nowadays your first boyfriend is the person you're going to marry. Like that's my parents' generation, you know, like maybe yours, like they're, they've been together since they were 15 years old. Like that's really, really rare nowadays. And like, you're going to have to date a lot of different people and that's okay. That, and that's more how I meant it. Not just like going around like hookup culture and like kissing oh. a bunch of different people. No, no, no. I completely agree. And and if hookup culture is your thing, there's no shame in that either. I definitely yeah, agree that. And I tried it on and it wasn't the right fit for me. Same. More power to you if you're able to do that. I wish um, I could. <laughs> yeah. I spent a lot of my time, a lot of we'll my get time. get to that in a sec when we get to intimacy stuff, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of my time wishing that I could like compartmentalize my feelings and sex, but it, like never worked because then I also realized, oh, that's just not who I am. I can't separate the two. Like part of like my humanity is like, oh, I love it when I can be emotional and talk through things and you know, yeah, that's what I need. Um yeah, me too. and so uh, I'm like I'm like trying to figure out how to say this just say um it sounds really it does sound kind of counterintuitive to like hmm. <laughs> just say it because we hear we, we hear this a lot I know my mind is like formulating we hear this a lot of like you need to cast a wide net and go on many dates in order to find your person and I actually disagree but I will say that I believe that for the longest time but then after years of doing that I was still dating the same people over and over again so I put in the effort I went on the dates yeah and so to me I'm like why would I and this is not literal at all but like why would I want to continue kissing frogs if I could just kiss the prince right so like what I mean by that is there there's so many levels to this like my my analytical brain is like oh going going crazy um so there is a certain way we do I think if it's of the belief that we need to cast a wide net see what comes up there might be by catch or we might actually get the thing that we want that is typically from the mindset of like I need to front I need to put on a performance I need to play games it's like the games of seduction let's see who can care less let's see who can be apathetic but I'm also going to be really cool and mysterious we might also have like a really great connection you might really like me but then also it feels really unfulfilling or it ends in heartbreak and pain and devastation so that's like one way to operate and then also the other way to operate which I was able to do with support from my coach and my community and seeing dating and love and intimacy completely different was when you don't play these games, you can actually be yourself. Being yourself is really scary. However, when you do that from the beginning, you're saving yourself years. You're saving yourself hours of having to like front and pretend who you are. Instead, you're actually being yourself, which makes dating a lot more exciting. Second part is actually getting really curious about who you're attracting or who you are attracted to and why. Again, this is like the psychological thing because 
Had I not reflected on who my type was, I would have not been able to change that. And I, I promise you, I would have never noticed my fiance now on Hinge. I would have never swiped right. And so that's the thing where yeah. we're getting really clear on who we're attracted to and why and I'll share a little bit about that in a second, because you will then start utilizing dating apps completely different. That's the thing. Cause like right now you might be swiping. I'm using them so different now because yeah, like, like I said, like the, the reason I don't agree, like I actually am more towards your mindset of it now. I just said it because it's something that we hear a lot, but you know, yeah, I, I'm meeting a lot of people. And I say that in air quotes, um, like I'm meeting a lot of people on dating apps, but very early on, I, I, I know, you know, the, I know my type, not just physically, but like emotionally, like emotional capacity, emotional intelligence that is attractive to me. And it's so, so important to know like what you're attracted to, like you're saying, like, and I can pick that up really early on, even on a dating app, because I'm coming from a place of like, I know, like, I'm not, not that I'm putting everything out there right away, but like, I'm putting it out there to see who's receptive to that. And if you're not by, yeah. How, like, I want to get into like, you know, the emotional, like not just emotional intelligence, but emotional, it goes to intimacy. And like, that is something that you and I have talked about that we both struggled with. And, you know, that's something that I really, really struggle with, which was the catalyst for me wanting to have you on and have these conversations. It's, you know, if you've struggled with relationship trauma, or even for me, it stems from even childhood trauma, which we've all experienced, you know, and so how, what do you, like, when people think intimacy is just sex and like physically, like intercourse but there's so much more to it and to me like I'm more important it's more important to me to have an emotional like intelligence and like emotional capacity and like that to me is intimacy where I can truly be myself and share myself and like I don't feel you know judged or ashamed or like scared to tell you like that to me is I need that in order to physically be intimate with someone Yeah. So I will also say that everyone is afraid of intimacy and I like how you do, and everyone also has different levels to it. I like how you describe intimacy as something that's more than sexual because intimacy is essentially getting close to another person. And that can be, of course, emotionally, physically, mentally, your soul, like, you know, being close and being seen by them. It's beyond what happens in the bedroom. It's, it is emotional as well. And so I just want to say, um, because I used to think like, oh my gosh, I have intimacy issues. Something's wrong with me. But I, what I have learned is everyone is afraid of getting close to another person. Like, sure. Maybe you've also worked through it and you have a different relationship to it, but you're not alone in being afraid of getting close to someone. So like some examples of that are like, you know, intimacy challenges, challenges would even be like, Do you deflect compliments or do you deflect when someone does nice things for you? Or do you actually think that they're doing it out of obligation? Because there's certain beliefs around if I accept help then that's going to be a handout, you know, it's like, so there are ways of where, where we deflect getting close to another person. Cause if we say, you know, actually receive someone's ability to do like a kind gesture, 
that will be so much for our nervous system to like even process that we might even flee. So like, that's another reason why I also do the work that I do is because once we identify a healthy reciprocal love, your instant reaction is to run. <laughs> I had to like talk through this with my coaches. I wanted to run. I had like one foot out the door. I was like, I'm not attracted to him anymore. I don't want to do this because it's such a new environment that you basically get scared off. Um, and the other thing that I will say, because you you said so many great things too, I kind of want to go back to identifying your type and this is all connected um, because there's, I also did like the manifesting thing. I did this for years of like, I wrote everything I wanted in a partner down from like looks, emotional abilities, um, interests, what they dressed like. Um, yeah, wait, but- not to cut you off, but like that it's so important. Like, cause I did the same thing. Like I recently did my manifest list, but like people, when they do it or like, you know, like you write down, like in your notebook as a kid, like what you want Prince Charming to be, you only do like the physical stuff. Like I legit like did physical career, family, like hobbies. Like I went like full, like fledged out, like, and it's so important that you, and like to do that. And I, and it's funny that you did that too, because it's not just manifesting a physical person. It's like the whole person, like who are they? Like literally like not just family, like my family with them in the future, but like their family backgrounds, their values. Like I put a whole values list, like to like what they, you know, what they, their view on the world. Like I want to make sure that they're in alignment. They don't have to be the exact same, but like they have to, you know, you have, we willing to build a life with this person that they have to have to go together. So not to like go too much into that. We can, but like that, that's a whole other episode, but just like, it's important for people to know, like, if you're going to write a manifest, a manifest list, like it's not just physical. It's not just like the superficial stuff. It's also like the really like actual important deep stuff. Yeah. Too. So I did the same thing too. And it's like, this is going to be like a yes. And so like for the first years that I was doing this, I was imagining like, my partner, I wanted him to be like put together. I was like, oh, I like that clean look. I like, you know, stubble, but mostly like a clean face. I want him to be entrepreneurial. I want him to be ambitious. So here's the thing about this is like, even though, and I'm not saying that this is wrong. Um, Even though I did this again, I was still, I was so crystal clear on what I was looking for what my type was down to like job, what their values were. And then I still was dating people, even though they had that sheepskin, I was still like, they looked good on paper. It was still lacking a lot of like that emotional depth. So even in the the last relationship that I had everything like to a T felt, I was like, at that point, I was like, I manifested him. He's a he's an entrepreneur. He's really into kindness and like all these things. But then like when it came to like actual intimacy, like completely cut off contact. And I was like, what just happened? So let me talk a little bit about like the psychology around this, because it really is helpful to get clear on what you're looking for, but then also like, why are you attracted to that? So Harville Hendricks is a relationship expert and also a couples therapist. And he talks about how we're consciously drawn to the positive qualities of our new love and also unconsciously we're attracted to the same qualities that hurt us in the same it hurt us in the first place so in ways that are familiar so 
I'm like, how do I even describe this? Like a, like a good example of this is like, you know, your type might be really charismatic and fun, but also sometimes are really cold and distant, or they show a lovable social side to the public. But when you're at home, they're like really just completely like off emotionally. Like they're so different when you're with them at home, or maybe, maybe they treat you like a trophy, like as someone to show off, or maybe they're affectionate a lot of the time, but then there's like mean streaks and they'll blow up on you. The last one, which is so relatable is like, they prioritize work over you. So they also prioritize maybe work or their friends or their family over you. So the reason why I bring this up is like, there are certain qualities that I found sexy. I was like, I really want someone who is entrepreneurial. Then I'm also realizing I'm attracted to that because also my family put work first. That's also something that hurt me in the past. So it's like this really alluring, oh, they're so sexy. They're so ambitious. But then it's also really familiar of like, they're not going to make time for me. So it's like getting really clear on why we're attracted because there are good things. They're not saying like, this is also like kind of like the, the mind shift is because like when I talk to people before they work with me, they're like, we had a great connection. I thought that they were the one. And I think that's also because they created this they were so clear. And I think that's great. You're so clear on what you're looking for. And then now like that next step is like, well, how, like, how and why are you attracted to them? Because we're going after what's familiar again, what we've learned in childhood. And then this is actually happening consciously or unconsciously within us is we want to go back to the scene of the crime and rewrite our history. So we think it's a noble pursuit because if they can actually finally prioritize us instead of work, if they can actually be consistently kind and have an even temper, or if they can like apologize, then we will feel worthy of love. So that was kind of like the, my mind was blown when I first read that of like, oh, that's it. Like I am attracted to people that are both like really ambitious, but then don't, or don't prioritize relationships. So it's getting really clear on that. And then also like how are these attractions familiar in terms of childhood? And then asking yourself, is that really a noble pursuit? And I forget where I read this, probably from like Kenny Casey or someone on Instagram, maybe the guy with the balloons, I'm forgetting his handle about- Case Kenny. That was Case Kenny. And I know that he does writings in Chicago. And then there's also another- I love love him. (laughs) Then there's another- account where it's a a guy and he writes like inspirational things with like balloons or like other mediums I forget his handle um one of the two they talk about how you can't heal in the same place that hurts you so I used to think it was really noble to like go and chase after people that would also trigger the heck out of me and then think life or relationships and life is hard. If I can get over this challenge, if I can get them to change, if I can caretake them and they finally come around, that's when I'll find love. And so realizing that I can't actually heal my triggers in those environments and realize, oh, I'm feeling anxious for a reason. (laughs) I actually know that this person's not a good fit for me because they're not calling. They're not reciprocating you know, plans. I'm always going to their apartment. They're never coming to mine. They never want to meet my friends. Like all these different things. It's like, oh, okay. 
what can I do to change my definition of love and feel worthy of the thing that I actually am going for? Because if not, I'm going to keep dating the same people with the same emotional challenges over and over again. Yeah. It's, and you said something there, like, you know, like everyone thinks relationships are supposed to be hard. And now there's like this whole, like, are they supposed to be hard or are they supposed to be easy? What does that really mean? And I think I want to get back to the intimacy part, but I think it goes to, you know, attachment styles and like, you know, why sometimes relationships are so hard or so easy is because attachment styles, you know, the two people in the relationship, you know, how they communicate and how they interact with each other and like their needs and wants and how they're met plays a big role into it. So do you think that relationships are supposed to be hard or are they supposed to be easy? And why, like, why do we have those perceptions and and then what are the attachment styles? Like, how does that all fit in? Um, great question. Well, I think we, again, we first learned how to love in childhood. And if our relationship dynamics with our family is hard, we're going to think love is hard. It's also been taught in media. It's also been taught in, I mean, like every Disney movie of like, if you just wait patiently, they will change. They will come around. They will see how great you are. Um, and, and just a lot of television and movies. I, I, something that I love to do is like yeah, society, <laughs> society propagates that like you can change them newsflash you can't yeah I, I like part of like what a fun fun weekend plans for me and my fiance is like we like to watch like early 2000s or like 2010 movies or like rom-coms and it's just and even now to this day there's we're definitely changing our perception of love um but just like the messaging is like Oh, I was watching one of those the other night and I had to turn it off because I was like, I was just trying to watch like mindless TV and I was like, what is this? This is awful advice. Yeah. Of like, you just play the game. Like, uh, women need to not be desperate. Don't tell them that you're interested. I'm just like, or like, what is something borrowed? I think I watched that one. That's the one I would No, It was the sweetest thing is the one I was watching, but something borrowed. It was like one of the options too, but yeah, it's entertaining and there's no judgment. Like I, I mean, I definitely in my, they're great movies In my old thinking, I definitely have been like, so in something borrowed, the premise is like the best friend. I'm like, I'm totally going to butcher this, but essentially like the woman, the main protagonist, she could not tell her, one of her best friends from like law school that she liked him and so they basically had like a lot of like tension for like years and then when he was finally going to ask her out she didn't feel good enough for love she thought that he was interested in her friend and then him and her friend end up getting together because he thinks that she's the, the his actual friend is not interested in her so he ends up going after her best friend and then the whole movie is like really messy because eventually the guy and the best friend get married and so the protagonist is like I have feelings for you and like anyways it's just and this is really I know a lot of people can probably relate to this and also the message at the end of the movie is you can basically sabotage your life and like wait for this man and he will eventually come around it'll happen and I'm like yeah oh no that may like really breaks my heart because uh, I'm like I'm like getting here I'm like no like that's just like such a it's not the best message because like you said like 
you want to date people that are like already on the same page as you. They want the same things as you, as opposed to like leaping through hoops, proving yourself, um, hitting certain challenges. So yeah, actually I remember the question that you asked is like, is love hard? And we like are introduced from this message or to this message by media, family, et cetera, culture past or yeah, past generations. Um, and so I will say that, and it's such a complex thing. So I'm going to like, try to like succinctly describe this. So I will say that love is not hard. I will say that there are certain challenges that said in my relationship now, like our challenge is like, you know, let's, you know, figure out budgeting or like, like, how are you feeling about starting a new job? Or like, how are you feeling about family? Like processing things that are like really challenging. And also knowing that our commitment to each other isn't wavering. And I think in relationships that are actually hard, it's like, you're trying to figure out if you are going to stick around if you're going to wait or like why is this person triggering me I thought I learned my lesson it's really draining it feels very much like a roller coaster it feels really like hot and cold I feel like we tend to think that that's the challenges that we need to overcome when actually the challenges is like if you're on the same team life is going to happen and you're going to be partners and work through those challenges and overcome them versus I'm fighting with you because I don't feel understood or you did this and it hurt me and I'm triggered and you're not trying to acknowledge my feelings or you don't want to commit to me. It's like, it's a, it's a different set of challenges. And I think yeah, people often think, oh, well, no, no relationship is perfect. Um, relationships are hard. And to that, I'm like, that also was taught from like family. Like that was definitely taught of like, you know, relationships are hard work. Like if you're not struggling, then it's not a real relationship. But I think it's like realizing that you can grow. What is hard? Like you have to think of like what, you know, it's like pick your battles. Like what is hard? Like, you know, like I agree. I think it's going to be hard because life gets hard, but like it shouldn't be hard to communicate and like be, to live with that person and like to build a life with them and like be in a relationship with them, which is where attachment styles come in. And I think a lot of times the reason people say like relationships are supposed to be hard is because they're dating the wrong type of person for them. Not just like in like, you know, values and like goals and like ambitions and like personality, but just like in attachment styles and the way that these people put out love and their feelings and their emotions. So what are these attachment styles? And like, um, I don't know. I, I think I'm anxious attachment, but I'm actively trying to be more secure attachment, but, and I think I'm getting better, but I'm still definitely more in the anxious, but a lot better than I was last year, but what are they? And you know, what are the, what's the spectrum and how do you work? How do you get to secure attachment, which is the one that everyone should strive to be at? Yeah, I will say that this also ties into you can't heal in the same place that causes, that hurts you. Um, So I am also, I was anxiously attached and I always found myself in the anxious avoidant trap. So like anxiously attached is like 
I can't live without this person. I have a lot of anxiety around love and relationships. I can't focus. I overthink things. I don't know my worth. I'm like, I am constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for them to leave. Um, avoidant is I don't need anyone to take care of me. I am great on my own. I'm going to focus on my work. Um, it would be nice to have someone, or maybe it's not nice to have someone, or I'm just going to be like hyper independent and single. And then secure is like that interdependence, which is like, I know who I am. I can rely on myself, but I also see the value and understand that I'm a human. I need other people and that's okay. Um, so it's like having the generosity, of course, with limits of like knowing yourself to be able to like say yes or no when that feels true to you. Um, I also, before getting into that, want to say that there is, and I can relate to this, right, of like feeling a lot of shame for being anxiously attached. However, know that there is a reason why, and it's not because there's something wrong with you. It's think about being anxiously attached as a kid. You probably really loved someone to the point where like you just had this undeniable, like it could be to a parent, it could have been to a family member or sibling or, you know, someone that you really admired growing up where you really loved them. And then they disappointed you or they, again, unintentional or intentional, or maybe they left or maybe they passed away. Right. So you had so much love for that person. The way that you coped with that is like, I need to be anxious and figure out how I can manage like my reality or like I need to be able to control things in order to gain a sense of security so like see this as like this is a way that you protected yourself you love someone so much that you didn't want to lose anyone that you were trying to basically be bend over backwards be the perfect person in order to avoid that rejection same with avoidance it's like you love someone growing up so much but maybe you weren't getting your needs met to the point where you were like I'm going to preserve myself by creating distance between other people so that no one can hurt me. Um, and then secure is, and again, people can like come in and out of these and I'm not going to like glorify secure, which I've also done in the past before of like, you know, you had a perfect childhood. It's just like, oh, maybe they likely had examples in their life where those certain skills were practiced. They were able to rely on their family. Then also they were able to have that autonomy to be themselves. So just know that like wherever you fall on the spectrum, like that is okay. There's no shame in that. And so to answer your question, because I would always go after avoidance, I'd always think that I need to so would I. fix avoidance or like be their therapist or their caregiver or like give them space, let them do their own thing. Like they need to work through stuff. So like I'm going to distance myself from them so that they can finally figure stuff out. I think part of the reason was it's like the same thing with like the prince and the frog. It's like, why am I going to continue to put in emotional and energetic labor to making someone change when I can actually just go and kiss someone who's like secure or like a frog? Um, and also it's easier said than done, right? Because like part of our identity might also be like, I need to caretake. I need to um, have a role or a purpose in a certain relationship. So again, it all comes back to the beliefs. If we believe that part of a healthy and fulfilling relationship is I can rely on my partner. It is okay to need other people. We actually then change who we're attracted to. Like you're going to slowly over time, lose your taste for people that are avoidant because you're just like, 
that's not good for me. <laughs> then you're also going to yeah, make yourself available to people that are like, oh, I like planning dates or like, I'm enthusiastic about you. Let's go get coffee. You know, like it's it that's really literally where I'm currently at. <laughs> It's so funny because it's funny. I'm, I was definitely anxious attachment with some avoidant attachment tendencies. And I was highly attracted to avoidant attachment because I'm a very maternal person. And so everything you were just saying, I was like, yep, that's me. (laughs) Like, I don't know if you saw me nodding my head. I was like, yep, that's me. Um, but yeah, now I'm heading more towards secure attachment and being interdependent. And so I want to talk about inter versus independent because they're two different things and you need a little bit of both, but it's better to be interdependent, but it's, it's so funny that you say that because it's, yeah, like I, I would date avoidant attachment and I wanted so badly to not change them. I never tried to change anyone, but it was just like, you know, it made me feel like I've never felt, I've never been the type of person to know that my I would feel like my purpose in a relationship that was never the type of person I was, but like, I like to help people. I don't like to fix people. I never try to fix anyone or change anyone, but I like to help people. So it was just like, I felt, I got a lot of like weird satisfaction from like that. And it's, it's a really unhealthy thing to do. So because you lose yourself in the process. So I'm glad you, you brought that up. I can relate. And it's like asking who are you outside of that role? Which is what I love doing with clients. Cause it's like, you take away the helper role, the caregiving role, the therapist role. It's like, well, who are you actually underneath that? And it's like, like spend time with that part of you. So then you can recalibrate and then actually create a relationship that's more in line with that as opposed to the role or like the shoulds or the persona. Yeah. So really back to, so interdependence is, when you are, you are okay with being independent, but you also are not afraid to ask people for help. And like, and it's like, so it's codependent, independent, and interdependent. So I just want to touch on that really fast. And independence is like, I don't need anyone. Like, so um, just for people to like briefly touch on that and codependence is when you like rely on someone. So to almost to your detriment, like it could be really, really harmful. So I would say I'm definitely trying to be a lot more secure and interdependent now. And I think I'm doing a pretty good job of it, but where I become not codependent, but more like anxious, I revert back to my anxious tendencies because in, in my intimate relationship. So I want to touch on intimate relationships and how can someone who is afraid of physically being intimate, how can, like, is there any actionable tips you have for people who are dating or someone who's in a relationship where, you know, how do you make space for being emotionally intimate where you can now be physically intimate? And it's something that you and I talked about before is, you know, there's a lot in my past. I don't need to tell them, but in order for me to feel comfortable going there physically, sometimes I like, I don't know if I should. And if I do tell them when, you know, you know, trauma and like, you know, do I tell them after? And like, I don't know, like, do I tell them after, but like risk not enjoying it? Or do I tell them before and risk not even getting to that point, but then like them thinking I'm weird or whatever, or do I not tell them at all and then risk like a freak out in the middle and it just being even worse later. So 
how to navigate being afraid of physical intimacy when you're newly dating someone and you've been dating for a while. Now you're talking to them and it's kind of like, that's, that's the next step, like discovering whether you're compatible in that way. Yeah. Uh, this is all going to tie in really nicely. So like you mentioned, there's a spectrum of like independent and then on the other side, it's codependent and in the middle it's, um, interdependent. So that's on a spectrum. And then also a common mistake that many people make is like, it's, I am the, I am the one that's in charge of whether I'm independent, codependent or interdependent. I will say it's actually yes. And like as humans, we need co-regulation and self-regulation in order to survive, which means I need to be able to have the awareness around what my environment is. And then also I need to rely on other people to help me also co-regulate or navigate my relationships. So the reason why I emphasize that so much is because if you find yourself in a situation where you're starting to question, is this too early to bring up? Can I say this right now? That's actually something to evaluate the environment you're in. What is the connection or attraction that you're in with this person that is either enabling uh, codependent tendencies in terms of like, I'm questioning what I'm, what I'm capable of. I'm questioning what I actually need. So that's something to really notice too, because in certain environments, you might feel safer to even just say, Hey, I'm not comfortable with this in situations where maybe you're not feeling, you know, a hundred percent safe because maybe you're, you know, maybe you don't know them that well, or maybe you're afraid that they're going to not accept a certain part of yourself, or maybe you're afraid that they're going to leave if you say no. So it's like, okay, that might actually be something about the environment that you're in. And it may be something to get curious about. And then also either shift or have a conversation beforehand. Because if you end up, you know, let's say, I don't, I don't even want to say scaring them off. If they decide to like not be interested in you, then again, you can be like, okay, that probably wasn't the environment for me because ideally in a relationship, like you can even treat this as like an interview or like an audition <laughs> of like, you want to be able to bring up your needs when they come up to you. Because if you're focused on the right time, the right way to say it, you can act like, imagine a year from now, like maybe you got laid off from a job or like maybe work is really hard or like you're having a fight with your family member. Those same tendencies are going to be there. When can I bring this up to my partner? Oh no, like they're struggling with work. I'm going to have to wait for them to like, you know, work for not, work to not be overwhelming for me to bring up my stuff. So it's like, treat that as a sign as likely this might not be the best relationship or connection for you because you need that co-regulation in order to feel safe for you to even bring stuff up. Um, so some signs might be like, you know, this person's like really open-minded or like they can assure you, they can actually verbally assure you that like, oh, I, I can relate to your struggles or like, oh, I understand why you feel that way. Let's talk about it. Or you're not ready to have sex. Okay, fine. I'm not going to pressure you. Right. So it's like evaluating ourselves, but then also evaluating the environment that we're in. And I feel like many people feel like it's their fault that they're in these situations. They don't even get curious about the environment that they're in to be able to start asking themselves these questions. Cause they think it's like, Oh, it's my fault that I don't want to have sex. I'm not comfortable. I should just say yes. Yeah. No, I think that's such a good, that's such a good like 
thing to think about. We talked about so many great things and I want to come have you come on another time and do like either do like a Q&A or do like more um, like dating stuff. But for someone who is actively dating or wants to, what is your best piece of advice? Like what is your number one dating tip for someone, guy or girl or non-binary who's dating and, you know, they know what they want. They, they're, they, they, um, they, they're in their best mindset that they're going to have, they have at the moment that they've ever had. And they're actively working on themselves and they just, you know, they're not, they're, they're, they're open to meeting the right person and doing the work and having these hard conversations and being able to truly explore whether this is the right person for them. What do you, what advice do you have for someone? So my advice is you don't need more confidence. You actually need the courage to start, whether that's like courageously asking for what you need or saying no in the bedroom or picking the restaurant or actually downloading the app, putting yourself out there. Because if you wait to be perfect or you wait for yourself, you wait to be confident, you're going to be waiting forever. Confidence comes from putting yourself out there and being brave. I remember also when I first started my coaching business, it took me three years because I had, you know, in my mind, I was like, I have to be perfect. I have to be, um, you know, confident in order to try. Same with dating. It's like, oh, I don't have any experience of dating. I need to like read all about dating before I put myself out there. So if you wait for all of the lights to turn green, you will never leave the driveway. I forget whose quote that is, but I use it all the time because it's so true. Um, Yeah. So I would encourage you to take that first step and it doesn't have to be a huge step. It could just be a small step where you're like, ah, okay, I did this because I am brave and I want to keep doing more of these things. So whether that's just like, just download the app, you don't have to swipe, you don't have to create a profile, just download the app. That is a win. Or, you know, tell people that you are interested in dating now, like be able to take those small steps because the more that you do those brave things, the easier it will get to do some of the harder things, you know? So don't wait for all the lights to turn green before you start. I love that. And I, I, courage has always been a word that people say to just, to just use to describe me. So I love, and it's something that I I'm very passionate about is just being courageous and going for it. And like, you know, like, like I said, a little while ago, you know, like ripping off the bandaid, like not being afraid to jump in and like, just run with it and see where it goes because you, you never know where it can lead. So I really love that quote. Um, you don't need the confidence to start. You just need the courage to start. So I really love that. This has been incredible. We need to do more because we can talk forever, but for anyone who wants to learn more about you, either, um, have you be their coach or, um, see the amazing resources that you provide, where can everyone find you? Yeah, I have a bunch of like free resources on my website at gabriellevaldez.com. Check out my blog. I have a bunch of also like freebies. So like checklists to make sure that you're dating the best fit for you or like how to assess whether or not this person is good for you or bad for you. So go ahead and check it out there. And I also do hang out on Instagram and have like interviews and really in-depth posts. So feel free to check out my Instagram and my website. Oh, also the last thing is I do more tangible how-tos in my newsletter too. So I have a weekly newsletter where 
I share something for you to like um, implement immediately or something that will like have or inspire you to have that aha moment so that you can use your time while you're dating more effectively as so that you can be yourself. Um, so yeah, I have those three ways to get in contact with me. Thank you so much for having me, Kayla. I will put everything in the show notes. Thank you so much. This was so, so great. Wasn't she just amazing? I hope you love this episode just as much as I did. I cannot wait to have her on for part two. So don't forget to leave a rating and review, screenshot and tag us if you like this episode. It's the best way to grow the show. Please subscribe and follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to give her a follow as well and shoot us a DM and let us know your favorite part of the episode and leave us any questions so when we do a part two in the future, we can answer any questions that you guys have and definitely check out the show notes below for all of her info and any resources that we talked about in the episode. I want to do a 2021 recap podcast episode soon before the year is over so also leave me some questions in a question box in my stories or just dm me or shoot me an email or in the comments of my latest episodes or podcast posts however you want to chat with me so i can do a recap and answer any questions you guys have and just i want to chat with you guys um this platform I say it a lot, but has been the best, most fulfilling thing I have done this year. It's only been like three months. I think this week is exactly three months and it's just been the best experience ever. So I'm so grateful for this platform and we have reached over a thousand downloads and that was my one of my main goals for the podcast for 2022, quarter one. So the fact that we're hitting it in quarter four of 2020 one is just incredible and I'm through like over the moon like through the roof excited I feel so so happy and just really like this is something I'm meant to be doing so thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and to all of our episodes episode 14 I can't believe that we've been doing this for three months now and you guys are really loving it and I just definitely let me know who you want me to have on in 2022 as well and I look forward to chatting with you guys next week even though it's Christmas almost I think um there will be an episode um probably short and sweet probably another Q&A solo episode um but I really wanted to get this episode up for you guys because it has a lot to do with family and relationships and it's the holiday season and it's really fitting episode as we go into spending time with our families for the next few weeks. Um, But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and I'll talk to you guys next week.